Pastor David Jones. Welcome to my sermon archives. For more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I pray God speaks to you as you listen. This coming fall, I am excited about a sermon series that I'm going to be preaching about God's great plan for the church, how Trinity can find our place in it, and how we can be what God's calling us to be. But before we do that, there's a little preparation that I want to lay, and that's what I'm doing for the next six weeks. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. And he particularly doesn't like the kinds of things that I'm going to be talking about in the fall. And so before I do that, I want to make sure that we have uh, an idea of how to protect ourselves from these attacks. Now we have the promise from 1 John 4, 4, the one who is in you is greater than than the one who is in the world. I preached, praise the Lord. I, I preached a whole series on that about a year and a half ago. But that doesn't mean that that devil can't hurt us if we just sit back and do nothing. And that's why I'm talking about this series of, of putting on the armor. A series theme verses, uh, one that I want us to say for the next few weeks. And so let's say that together. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. Ephesians 6, 11. And I want to read uh, a couple of verses to come shortly after that, starting in verse 13. Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. And then list them. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. We talked about that last week. And the body armor of God's righteousness. That's today. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. It's the armor of God, and that's what we're talking about. As I said, belt of truth last week. Preparation next week, faith, salvation. On the uh, 2nd of September, we'll be talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God in the Bible. And I want to especially encourage you, if you've been thinking about the Disciple Bible study, that starts in the fall. I think Disciple Bible Study is one of the greatest things the United Methodist Church has done in the 30 years that I've been a pastor. And uh, I really encourage you to consider that. And the reason I'm especially naming it right now is because you have the purple uh, bulletin insert and not many of you have been turning those back in. And right now we don't know whether we have enough people to actually have the class. So if you've been at all thinking about having a class, please sign up or call the church office or get some more information and do that this week so we can know whether or not we're going to be able to have 
the Disciple Bible class, and I really encourage you to do that. The last one is the radio prayer. Paul, of course, didn't call it radio, but uh, he didn't even call it Facebook or Twitter. But, but the communications. And if you missed any of these, you can hear them on your, your computer at our website. Today we're talking about the body armor of righteousness. Roman soldiers used a solid piece of metal armor called a breastplate to protect their arms. Medieval knights used a shirt made of little steel rings called chain mail to protect their arms. Modern soldiers and policemen use body armor or bulletproof vests to protect their arms. And Christians use righteousness to protect their arms. So, let's say our key verse for this sermon. Proverbs 29, 6. Evil people are trapped by sin, but the righteous escape, shouting for joy. Proverbs 29, 6. How many of you remember Daniel and the lion's den from Sunday school? From, from a child? Okay. How many of you have studied it since then? Not a whole lot of us. Maybe the ones who took disciple Bible studies, right? Okay, it's um, amazing how many of these great stories that we learn in Sunday school we never go back to. And the reason we learn them in Sunday school is because there's a lot to teach us. And obviously when you're in third grade, you don't pick up the whole thing. Uh, for instance, most of us probably remember the king as being a bad guy. But when you read it here, he was, he was really a pretty good guy. But what I want to talk about here is Daniel's righteousness. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire, and that made all the other administrators jealous. And so it says they were searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, he was honest, he was always responsible. In other words, he was righteous. Daniel had great ability, but his outstanding characteristic was his righteousness, and everybody knew it. They checked him out like the press checks out a presidential candidate, but they couldn't find anything to criticize. So they made the law, they redefined righteousness in such a way that they could trap Daniel. And so in verse 10, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done. Now some of us might say this is going a little bit too far. I mean, what would be the harm in closing the curtains for Pete's sake? You know, a prey out of the line of sight of these people that are trying to trap him. And in other situations, something like that might be fine. God doesn't tell us to invite persecution. In fact, one time when Jesus was sending his disciples out, he told them, Matthew 10, 23, he said, When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. He didn't say you have to stand there and take it. But God had different plans here in Daniel's case. And that's one of the reasons that you don't go to a rule book, you go to God to find out what he wants you to do in certain situations. 
how he wants you to apply the truth of the Bible. I'm sure Daniel's first prayer when he heard about the new law was, okay, God, now what do I do? What do you want me to do in this situation? And apparently God told Daniel not to change a thing. And God would take care of it. So Daniel didn't give any hint of compromising his principles. Even at the threat of death, he kept his righteousness strong and intact. What was the result? He winds up in a lion's den. You say, that doesn't sound like a great reward for worshiping and, and staying faithful to God, getting thrown in a den of lions. But the lions didn't hurt him. Verse 22, Daniel answered the king who had, who had spent the whole night fasting and praying for Daniel. Long live the king, may God, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt him. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have no wrong to your majesty. Somebody might say, well, those are probably old toothless lions. They were hungry and about to die but you remember what happened when the king threw the, the accusers in there. Lions caught him in the air. Never even hit the ground. And not only that, not only did Daniel's righteousness protect him, like body armor protects a soldier or policeman, but the king became a believer, even more of a believer. And he sent a royal command that Everybody throughout all his realms should fear and respect God. The devil meant it for evil. God pulled a jujitsu on the devil and he turned it out for good. He does that for us if we stay faithful. And the end result was so Daniel prospered. I was prospering, Sabbath. Does that sound like a good thing? Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Righteousness. Now, righteousness doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means being in good standing with God. It's like you get a parking ticket, but somebody else pays the fine for you. You're still guilty of parking in front of a fire hydrant or whatever it was, but since your fine was paid, you're considered to be in good standing with the law. But then you need to make sure that you park in the right place after that. You're going to get right back in wrong standing again. And this is, of course, a trivial example, but it illustrates three aspects of righteousness that are very important for us to understand. The first is that righteousness is a gift of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Okay? Who's the one that knew no sin? Jesus, okay. And who's the one that made it? God the Father, right? So, for our sake, God the Father made him, him, Jesus Christ, to be sin. Who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's like we traded places. Jesus traded places with us. He was the righteousness, we were the sinners. He made him who knew us into be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus paid the fine for your sin. And we're not just talking about a $50 parking ticket. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is what? Death. 
Every one of us has sinned in some way. Every one of us has owed the wages of death. And there's nothing any of us could do to change that. But the verse goes on and says, but the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first thing we need to know about righteousness is that it's a gift from God. It's not something that we earn or create on our own. The second aspect of righteousness that we need to understand is that it's received by faith. If somebody wants to give you a gift, say, I wanted to, to give you this Bible, what would you have to do to make it yours? Take it. Receive it. Exactly. You don't have to receive it. You're free to reject it if you don't want it. You have that choice, but the only way to make it yours is to choose to receive it. If you do nothing, you lose it. What if I wasn't in person, but I was across the country, and I am shipping you some big thing as a, as, as a gift. And I, I send you a message saying, I've sent this, but it's too big uh, for the regular mail to, to bring it to your mailbox. You're going to have to go to the post office to get it. What makes you get in your car and go to the post office? Faith. The fact that you believed me when I said I had sent you a gift. If you didn't have any faith in me, you would never bother to go to the post office. Your faith is what causes you to receive the gift. So Romans 4 5 says people are declared righteous because of their faith, not because of their work. But the third aspect of faith is that once we have, I mean the third aspect of righteousness is that once we have this free gift and we received it, then we have to demonstrate it in our lives. Ephesians 4.24 says you must display a new nature because you're a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. If we follow up the parking analogy, you are now a person who has been declared righteous in right standing with the law as with regard to where you park. So you need to start living like it. You need to start resisting the temptation to park in front of fire hydrants or in front of yellow lines or in the handicapped spaces if you're not supposed to. In other words, by the help of the Holy Spirit inside you, you stop doing what's right. I said that at 9.15 too. I said that way at 9.15. Okay. Now, see, I could have pretended like I was doing that on purpose to trick you and see if you were listening, but that would have been righteous. So, all right, let me read it more carefully. In other words, by the help of the Holy Spirit inside you, you stop doing wrong and start acting right. Okay? You stop doing wrong, you start acting right, you change direction. That's the definition of repentance. And now I need to make sure we understand a subtle distinction here. Acting right doesn't make us righteous. God has already declared us righteous because of our faith, not because of our works. But if you are righteous, you ought to act like it. It's like somebody from England decides to become an American, okay? In England, she drove on the left side of the road. 
Now she drives on the right side of the road. She's an American. She drives on the right side of the road. Driving on the right doesn't make her an American. This is just that now she is an American, she ought to act like it. And one thing Americans do is drive on the right or correct side of the road. <laughs> Acting right doesn't make you righteous. But if you have been declared righteous in God's sight by faith or grace, then you ought to act like it. It's this third aspect of righteousness, the acting it out in our lives, that protects our hearts when the devil attacks us. Notice it doesn't keep you from being attacked. In fact, your righteousness might be what draws the devil's attention to attack you in the first place, like the Daniel. But when you are attacked, if your body armor of righteousness is in good prepare, it will protect you. And I want to go through quickly four ways that that works. Righteous thoughts protect you from temptation. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive. Don't let your thoughts just run wherever they want to. Pay attention to where your thoughts are going. Are they supposed to go there? If they're not supposed to, take them captive. Joyce Meyer has a great book called The Battlefield of the Mind about guarding your thought life. How do you know which ones you need to track down and, and take captive? Well, ask yourself, would you want your husband or your wife or your kids knowing that you're thinking these kinds of thoughts? Would you speak these things out in church? And if no, then take authority in the name of Jesus and say, I'm not going to have those kinds of thoughts running around in my head. I refuse those thoughts. I refuse those feelings, those ideas, that bitterness, that anger, that fear, whatever it is. I reject it in the name of Jesus. Those fantasies, whatever they are, get out of here in the name of Jesus. And turn your mind to thinking good things, positive things, God things. You may even, as your first beginning, you may need to... to Say the good things out loud. Sing hymns. That's a great way to keep your mind on the things of God. But take authority in the name of Jesus. Righteous thoughts protect you from temptation. Righteous acts protect you from accusation. 1 Peter 2.12 Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they will believe and give honor to God. Daniel was an example of that. They knew he wasn't doing anything wrong. They tried to make up something, but they knew that he wasn't doing anything wrong. Well, how do you know? Is this something that's going to get me in trouble? Again, would you invite Jesus to join you in these activities? Hey, Jesus, let's go see this movie. Would non-Christians be drawn closer to God by seeing you as a representative of Jesus doing these things? And remember, you can't be accused of doing something wrong if you never go to the places where that kind of thing is done. Or hang around with the people that do it. Righteous acts protect you from accusation. Righteous relationships protect you from pressure. Proverbs 12, 26. The godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. If you're hanging with the wrong kind of people, they're going to give you bad advice. 
They're going to lead you in wrong directions. They're going to bring all kinds of pressure on you to do stuff that you shouldn't be doing. They'll tempt you into all kinds of wrong relationships. Righteous relationships protect you from pressure. And a righteous lifestyle protects you from stress. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law, the Bible, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that's written in. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. How many of you want to be prosperous and successful? Okay, here's the key. Learn it and do it. A physically healthy lifestyle protects from the stress of illness, a financially healthy lifestyle protects you from the stress of financial problems. A lifestyle of honesty and integrity protects you from the stress of always trying to keep things hidden and have to remember what story you told this person and what different story you told that person. A righteous lifestyle protects you from stress. But it's not automatic. You have to keep your body armor in good repair. Because it's never too late. And usually you hear me say that in terms of good things. But it's also never too late to go wrong. It's never too late to lose your righteousness. Ezekiel 18.24 says, If righteous people turn to sinful ways and start acting like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No! All their previous goodness will be forgotten and they will die for their sins. So you can't just count on the fact that you went forward to the Billy Graham crusade 30 years ago to keep you for the rest of your life. Praise the Lord for Billy Graham crusade, but you need to keep it up. That's one reason that every month we celebrate Holy Communion. Because we have a time for self-examination, confession, repentance. And claiming 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's forgiveness repairs the holes in our armor. But it's also never too late to choose righteousness. Ezekiel 18.21 says, If wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my laws and do what is just and right. And again, that's the definition of repentance. They will surely live and not die. And notice, it doesn't say as long as they didn't do this particular sin, or as long as they don't have this particular number of sins, or as long as they haven't gotten too old. None of those conditions. It's never too late to choose righteousness. And if there's anybody here this morning that is not sure that you have chosen righteousness, it's a simple matter of recognizing the fact that you can't manufacture your own righteousness no matter how hard you try. It's a gift from God that you have to receive by faith. Simply by acknowledging that you can't do it, trusting that Jesus did and asking Him to apply that to your life. I'd love to pray with anybody about that. Righteousness 
protect your heart. Let's say our sermon keepers. Proverbs 29 says, Evil people are trapped by sin, but the righteous escape, shouting for joy. Proverbs Again, I'm Pastor David Wentz, and for more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, please visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. May God bless you as we do Christianity together. See you next time.